Hey guys, and welcome to the Abundance Alchemist podcast. I'm Caitlin Dorsey, an Abundance Alchemist, animal lover, trauma survivor to thriver, mindset expert, self-love junkie, and author. This is the place to be to grab those powerful tools, ideas, and inspiration to make lasting changes in yourself and your life. No more waiting, my friends, because it's time to show up unapologetically, radiate that confidence, and create a life you absolutely love. Time to buckle up and dive on in. Hi, my high-fiving friends. I'm so excited you're here as always and have an awesome guest to introduce. Um, so we have Brian Sachetta, um, is the author and owner of Get Out of Your Head, a brand and book series that seeks to help folks overcome anxiety and depression. By trade, Brian is a software developer. He combines his experience in the tech world with previous mental health battles to draw parallels between computer systems and the human mind and give readers practical strategies for evading their own psychological demons. Brian currently has two books on the market, Get Out of Your Head, a toolkit for living with and overcoming anxiety, and Get Out of Your Head, Volume 2, Navigating the Abyss of Depression. His mission is to help as many sufferers as possible through not only those books, but also his blog and podcast appearance. So welcome, Brian. Thanks, Caitlin. Glad to be here. Yeah, so um, I'd love to kind of just start by asking you how you got to what you're doing today. Yeah, for sure. I would say probably a combination, like the main thing, right, would be personal history of dealing with anxiety and depression. Uh, Second piece would be sort of like a passion to help other people and also wanting to like, I don't know, get my name out there, Mm -hmm. make make a name for myself, something like that. Definitely maybe a little bit of like side hustle culture or something uh, to that tune where basically, right, it's like, you know, I'll have conversations with other uh, hosts like yourself and they'll say like, okay, so a lot of people deal with anxiety and depression. Like, why did you take the path that you did versus, you know, somebody else may not necessarily write books or something like that. Um, I don't have necessarily a great answer for that. But I I think if I just like talk about my own experiences, right, it's like, you know, 10 years of dealing with anxiety and depression, I would not necessarily at the same time, but just Mm -hmm. uh, that amount of time um, for each of them, right, or like, uh, combining the two, I guess, Uh, it, it really, like, I don't want to say that it wears on you, but it it really becomes like a part of you, right? It becomes a part of your soul where it's like, you know, the amount of pain that you've been through. Uh, and the more people that you talk to, you know, that they've been through a lot of pain as well. And so like when you connect on that fundamental level, I think for a lot of people, it doesn't necessarily have to, you know, manifest itself in writing books. But I think for a lot of people, when they make that connection, it's like, you know, this is so deep. This is so fundamental to who I am. I have to do something with this, whether it's go into therapy, go into psychology. Um, I don't know, even just, you know, have like a, a a friend circle, right? It's like, okay, we come over every couple of days and we talk about this stuff. Um, so that was the outlet that I chose. I think for me, it was like one, you know, I felt as though the writing was a good place to channel some of the things that I was dealing with and talk about different stories, um, kind of recount those things to readers and listeners on podcasts and stuff like that. Uh, but I think also just, uh, I don't know. I was like, it, it was also a little bit, this might sound a little bizarre, but like, I think it was a little safe for me in the sense that like, you know, it's, it's hard to sit people down and, and tell them what you're dealing with. Right. Um, it's a little bit for me, I think it's a little bit easier to write a blog post that, you know, when you, when it's your first post, let's be honest, nobody's not very many people are going to see it. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like slowly building that base up, up of being like, okay, like, then telling friends and family, hey, I'm actually working on this mental health stuff on the side. Mm-hmm. I have a blog. I'm working on a book or something like that. And then you slowly build the image, the brand, you put more content out there, so on and so forth. So rambling a little bit. So I- I'll stop there. That's okay. I love it. Yeah, I um, definitely resonate with that. I think that's, you know, similar to my experience of um, why I 
started becoming a, a mental health and addiction counselor. It's, you know, kind of part of my journey, the addiction more on kind of my family side, not me personally, but um, I think we all deal with our own personal addictions, whether that's substance or not. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think that speaking and podcasting became a very safe space um, for me. So I really resonate with you, like you said, the writing aspect of that. So thank you for sharing that. Um, So kind of just want to start with this idea of anxiety, because man, the amount of times I hear the word anxiety and not even just our society, but in the daily like um, sessions I have with my clients of like, oh, I'm so anxious. Oh, I have anxiety disorder and kind of this thing. So I want to talk about that big elephant in the room of yeah. let's just start there and really I'll kind of let you start wherever you want with anxiety. Definitely. So, I mean, some of this will be repeat for, for some of your listeners, right. But we'll just kind of give a, a, a broad definition, right. So yeah. anxiety, I like to say is future oriented fear. Mm-hmm. So that's like, you know, the difference between uh, future oriented and not future oriented is like, so fear, like if, if we're being semantic, right. Mm-hmm. Is like, I'm standing in the woods, a bear crosses my path, I'm terrified. Anxiety is more like, I'm worried that I might cross a bear two weeks from now. Um, And, you know, the the bear, uh, I think we can put it in air quotes in the sense that like, our bears, our lions, our walls, whatever we want to call them, those are the scary things we build up in our minds that may come to pass one day, but also might not. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the most challenging things about anxiety, right? Is like, there's some Mark Twain quote that I wish I had I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't have it memorized, but it's basically like, I've been through a great deal of many terrible things, some of which actually happened, right? Mm. And it's, it's the, it, it sort of uh, claws at the fact that we put ourselves through all these mental battles, right? And and I'm not, I'm not saying that like, uh, there's not good reason for it sometimes mm-hmm. or something like that, but like, right. that's the basis of anxiety, right? Is dealing with a lot of difficult feelings uh, that revolve around things that we care about and also outcomes related to those things we care about that we're fearful of. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it leads us to a lot of pain, right? Right. It definitely does. Yeah. I love the distinction because I think one thing that I found really interesting when learning about, you know, how anxiety interacts in the body and the brain was kind of, you touched on that piece of the, you know, I always call it future tripping, right? You're thinking about the future all the time. And that's where the anxiety piece is. But it's interesting that our brains and our bodies don't actually actually differentiate the two. So it's, you know, we have the same physical response in our body if we're being chased by a bear versus if we're thinking about being chased by a bear. And it's kind of interesting um, how it works. And so I like that you use those kind of that idea or that um, perspective on anxiety. Yeah. And that's a great thing to add there that you did. And uh, also it leads me to like kind of put a coda on it almost in the sense that like one of the most challenging things about anxiety, right, is like, so we we have the fight or flight nervous system. And let's Mm -hmm. say, um, you know, we're out in the woods and there's a bear in front of us. That nervous, that part of our nervous system is going to rev up and we're going to, you know, be sort of... um, incentivized or uh, motivated to run away from that thing, right? Right. Uh, Again, fight or flight, right? So it's like, Mm -hmm. we're either fighting with that bear or we're running from it. Mm -hmm. Um, The issue with anxiety, right? Is like, if so, if we're talking about human evolution, evolutionary psychology and whatnot, if we say that like, um, you know, the fight or flight nervous system, it was sort of a revival, uh, excuse me, a survival response that um, almost propagated throughout the years, right? It's like, so we now... uh, we have now survived, right? Mm-hmm. For the most part, our species has survived and we're left with this um, survival response, but we're not facing a lot of bears. Right. And so the issue that we come across like again and again and again is the fact that there are these things in our minds that scare us, but aren't actually 
like most of the time, obviously there's there's things that we face that are real live threats, but for the most part in modern, modern society, we're dealing with what ifs and possibilities, mm-hmm. right? And the issue with those things is they're not here today. So we can't actually take action on them. So it's like our brains and our bodies are like, what the heck do I do now, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, I've revved you up, go ahead and fight or flight. And the only thing we can really do with with something that's, you know, sort of a, an enemy or object in our minds is think about it and, and ruminate over it. Yeah. And one of the issues with that is that doesn't actually get us anywhere, right? Because then where mm-hmm. the enemy becomes fear itself. Uh, right. And fear is just an emotion. So it's like when we, ex- you know, when we focus on our emotions, they expand. So that's one of the biggest issues with anxiety in general, and just sort of, you know, uh, the way our brains and bodies were constructed. That's also where I come in and why, you know, my brand is called get out of your head is basically, you know, taking that thing, put it what I just talked about, putting that in a nutshell and saying, like, because of this phenomena of how, like, um, you know, the the fight or flight response and how we actually like normally we would need to run or fight with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, our, our uh, uh, I guess, opponents, like real life threats. We can't do that anymore. So our only option, even though well, the only the only viable option is to stop thinking about those things. The, the problem is uh, that goes against our very nature. And so that's really difficult. Yeah. And that's also so, that's sort of like the, the the push and pull of anxiety. And that's what makes the the battle so, so challenging at times. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. I think it's it gets to this point of where, you know, it's we can say stop thinking about it or stop doing it. And that is kind of our go to response of like, well, just don't do that. Like, even if we have people that don't understand the idea of mental health, you know, we do hear that in society. And it's like, well, how do I do that? That's a lot easier said than done. Right. And you said we're going against our very nature. So if you have someone that is listening with this kind of anxiety and they're really in the, you know, pits of all this huge anxiety, they're right in the middle of it. What do you tell them? Yeah. So I guess it, it it's so much of mental health is like semantic and in the moment, yep. it's kind, kind of contextual, right? Um, the way that, and I'm going to answer this on a broad level, the way yep. that I approach, uh, you know, the subject and also my brand is like, so let's took it like, I guess, for example, we'll jump into my first book a little bit. So in the first book, the reason why I call it a toolkit for living with and overcoming anxiety is I throw a lot of different ideas at the reader in that book, knowing that not every single idea is going to resonate and stick mm-hmm. with every single person, right? So it's like, put a bunch of strategies in front of them, allow them to sift through them and say, that works for me, that doesn't. And then the next time they find themselves in an anxiety provoking situation, they're like, okay, I got these four things that really work for me. I'm going to try those out. Um, that's sort of like a, yeah, I got a little bit of a shameless plug, right? Like if you want to check the book, yeah. you can. <laughs> um, I would, I would say, obviously <laughs> I want to, I want to try to add value like immediately uh, on this podcast. And I think one of the things kind of feeding into what we talked about a minute ago, right? With the fight or flight response is like, because our bodies are revved up and there's all this energy moving within them when we are anxious, one of the most helpful things that we can do. Um, and again, this sometimes works for some folks and others, maybe not so much. But one thing that I like to do is like, when I've got all that energy inside of me, if I can't just go for a walk, like, mm, uh, because yep. basically, you know, your body is is saying like, hey, do something with this. Movement, and even yeah. though we can't run away from a an actual uh, threat because it's not actually in front of us, we can we can just get that, you know, we can use that energy uh, to get ourselves moving. And then hopefully by virtue of doing that, like we'll be able to, you know, whether it's uh, just taking our minds off it by moving our body or going out onto the street and like 
you know, seeing people and seeing buildings mm-hmm. and stuff like that, just something to distract ourselves. Uh, I think the other thing too is, you know, um, leveraging our breathing. There's mm-hmm. a, a lot of science that like talks about, you know, the different parts of this, uh, the um, autonomic nervous system, yep. you know, the basically the fight or flight uh, nervous system is is called the autonomic nervous system. That That's what revs up uh, when we are in one of those fearful situations. And mm-hmm. then there's the parasympathetic nervous system, which people refer to as the, the feed and breed or uh, yeah. rest and digest nervous system. And so it's like, uh, in order to engage that nervous system, and, and it sometimes does on its own, right? Uh, but one way that we can methodically make that happen is to breathe uh, deeply, uh, especially when we breathe out deeply. So it's like, if we're not breathing in fully, we're not going to be able to breathe out fully either. Um, right. So just focusing on deep breathing, maybe combining that while going for a walk can be um, something that's really helpful. I think, you know, it, I think of the sort of the scenario where it's like, uh, I'm sitting on my couch. I'm scared of something. I'm worrying about something that's a week f- uh, from now, two weeks from now. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not going for a walk. I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to think about this. Give me five more minutes. I'm going to figure this out. And then like an hour and a half goes by and I'm just like, yeah, I blew that one, you know? Yep. <laughs> I like that example because we all can, we've all been there. Yeah. We've all, you know, where we do think about that, but I like those ideas because, um, you know, that's a lot of what I talk about with my clients is this idea of movement and getting the energy out of your body and using that to your advantage. Because the idea, like you said, when we try to go against our own, um, wiring, it's not going to happen. We're not going to do that. You can't trick your brain. You can't trick your body. You have to figure out how to work with what you have and use that to your advantage. So I like they're saying when you're already revved up and anxious, using that momentum to go on a walk or to focus on your breathing and redirect that mind is really, really powerful. Definitely. Yeah. And I think you know, just kind of playing into the nuance or the the context, right? It's like I was uh, working on a, a piece the other day and I was saying like, you know, we can sometimes reappraise what's going on inside of our body and saying like, hey, maybe instead of saying I'm overwhelmingly anxious right now, I could say maybe I'm a little bit excited. Uh, the issue is uh, in, in context of going for a walk or something like that, right? It's like if you're in the middle of a job interview, it's kind of hard to be mm-hmm. like, hey, can you give me 15? I got to go for a walk. <laughs> right. Um, so that one is tough. And I'll admit that. Right. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, if you're getting ready for an athletic competition, and you're feeling that same way, it's like, run up and down, you know, the the infield uh, of the track or something like that, use that energy, expel that on the track while you're running. Um, again, it's like so much of this stuff is contextual and uh, sort of nuanced where it's mm-hmm. like, find your favorite strategies and then figure out which situations they apply to, which ones they don't, and then you can use them effectively. Yeah, I love that. I think one, um, I was actually looking at quite a few of your um, blog posts because I obviously am passionate about this topic. So it was kind of just nerding out, but I really liked one of the, um, one of the, I'll call it a quote because it was a quote that you said um, in one of your blog posts. And it was the one about law of attraction. And you said fighting against negative thoughts as a metaphorical and psychological death sentence. And I think that really kind of ties to what we were saying of fighting against kind of this natural process. So I'm curious if you could elaborate on that um, quote. Yeah, it's, it's just kind of, it's honestly a, a theme in a lot of the writing, yeah. uh, especially my second book on depression. But it's it's just sort of one of those things where, you know, as I was alluding to earlier, where we sit down, we say to ourselves, well, give me five minutes, I'm going to think through this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of like, um, you know, another quote to <laughs> sort of explain this is Please. like people say, you know, what you resist persists. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where it's like, um, you know, if something weren't a problem, we wouldn't give it any attention. And yet here we are focusing on this problem and not being able to put it down. Now, obviously, Mm -hmm. like, 
again, context matters. And so it's like, maybe there's a specific reason why we can't put it down. Maybe it's really, really important to us or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I think in general, we can say that like when we're anxious and we're fighting with, you know, thoughts of like, oh, no, 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 I'm going to do well on that exam or like, I'm not going to be nervous on stage or something like that. All of a sudden you are giving credence to that idea, right? By, by fighting with it, by being able to say like, look, like, hey, thought, uh, I, I just, you're not important to me enough right now. I'm just going to think about something else. You then sort of like scale it down in your mind. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I like that you use the context idea, but also kind of the theme that you, that was coming through my mind at that point is this idea of using that a lot when we're focusing on things that are out of our control. And that's a lot, I feel like when we notice anxiety and you've kind of alluded to that sense of, you know, um, anxious about a job interview or anxious about these things the outcomes of those are a little bit out of our control. Like, yes, we can prepare ourselves and do all these things, but there's other factors that are out of our control. So I really like that, you know, you do bring that context piece in and talk about adjusting to the situation that you're in and also recognizing that external locus of control. Yeah. And that's, it's another important piece of, uh, glad you brought it up, right? Just what can we control? What can we influence? Those two things are related, but they're not always the same, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like figuring out where we can place our efforts in order to potentially influence situations and then detaching from outcomes and saying, look, this isn't necessarily up to me, right? The, the end decision is not. Uh, what's up to me is like how much effort I put in, whether or not I study for this exam or something like that, mm -hmm. um, and take it from there. Let the chips kind of fall where they where they may, so to speak. Right. So I'm going to continue with this idea of your blog post because I there were there were several that really hit me. So I'm going to cool. ask you about another one. Um, one of them, it said perspective and how to use perspective when your mental health toolkit isn't enough anymore. And that one really resonated because I think there's so much in traditional mental health kind of counseling work that's all about building those coping skills in your mental health toolbox. And it's fantastic, but there are times where it does fall short. And so I'm curious kind of what, how you elaborate on that piece with perspective. Yeah, some of that is a little bit of um, like almost self-compassion, if you will, right? I think if we approach anxiety or mental health battles from the standpoint of like, I just have to put in the effort, I just have to learn the strategies, take the strategies and apply them, I'm going to be fine, right? Mm -hmm. And then there inevitably become times where we're doing all those things and yet we're still really anxious and we're like, you know, WTF. Yeah, uh, I think one of the main things uh, to keep in mind, the, the perspective that I was alluding to there was basically like getting to the point of saying like, you know, there's so much that we, there's only so much that we can do with our conscious minds, right? We can apply these strategies. Um, we can rehearse different mantras and things like that. At the end of the day, a lot of this still comes back to evolutionary psychology, right? So it's mm -hmm. like, if something is going on, uh, if there's an event two weeks from now or uh, a month from now or something like that, that scares us, what is really happening is in the fear center of, centers of our brains, things are going haywire, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, we can do all we can, like the, we can do, uh, we can do a lot of things to try to mitigate that response. But at the end of the day, that's still our programming running us. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, uh, going back to influence versus control, it's like we aren't necessarily in 100% control of of our amygdalas, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the fear centers of our brain. So it's it's sort of getting 90% of the way there by saying, I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to rehearse these strategies. I'm going to pull out my favorite, uh, you know, tactics out of my toolkit. The final 10% is saying, if you do all that and you're still really anxious or you're still anxious, having the self-compassion to say like, look, my brain is basically trying to hijack me right now. I'm doing everything that I can and I'm going to stop beating myself up for continuing to be anxious because this, you know, I've done that 90%. 
the other 10% getting my body to kind of uh, ramp down on its own, like I'm going to leave that to my body and hopefully, hopefully that resolves itself, but mm-hmm. it's not always 100% up to me. Yeah, that's huge. That self-compassion piece. I, you know, obviously I relate this back to my, a lot of my clients that I'm working with and um, have worked in the, with in the past. And the amount of times that we do beat ourselves up for not even just anxiety in our emotion, but depression and anger and jealousy, like all these emotions that we've labeled as negative in society. And I'll do my little plug here of every single emotion is healthy to have in a healthy lifestyle. We have to have all the emotions, um, but we have labeled these ones as negative and bad. And so the beat up that occurs is astounding and it's really not helpful. So I really think that the self-compassion piece, I like that that's built in and that you do recognize, you're right. Like we talked about tricking our brain and doing these things. We still have our biological wiring that we cannot go over, right? It's in our bodies. It's how we function. We are wired that way for a reason. Like you said, it goes back to that evolutionary of we needed it at some point to survive. Now it may not be super relevant, but it doesn't mean that we have fully adapted out of that. Like Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I'm like on a, on a train of nuance today, but it's like, Perfect. I think the the most important thing, right? With the subject that we're talking about is not to take the the lesson here and say i'm not in control and because of that like you know this whole situation is screwed or Mm -hmm. or whatever right i'm screwed um it's more just like sort of your last not last line of defense but like if you've done everything you can and you're still anxious you're still not feeling a hundred percent bringing in that compassion can sometimes help you feel a little bit better and counterintuitively actually like turn parts of your brains and body like uh the the fight or flight response sometimes can turn that down a little bit um and it's like, even if it doesn't, at the very least, you just sit there and you say like, it's, you know, it's, it's like, um, you know, playing a game with somebody, right. Or, or mm-hmm. a, you know, let's say you're playing a basketball game. It's like, I practice all week. I, I prepared for the game. I was hydrated. I did everything I needed to do. And yet, um, I don't know, there was a, there was some water on the floor. I slipped at the end of the game. I missed the final shot. It's like, yes, it stinks. The outcome is not what you wanted, but you have to take some solace in the fact that like you showed up, you prepared, you did what you needed to do. Right. Um, and then from there, it's like, hopefully uh, you get to the point where you feel good enough about that, where it's like, you know, the, the next time this comes around, I'm, I'm going to do the same thing. And the result will hopefully be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. I like that. That goes back to that kind of control piece of what we can control and what we can't in those outcomes. Um, and one of kind of talking about this idea of toolkits too, one of your other blog posts said chewing gum and mental health, a way to regulate and reduce stress. And this caught my eye. Tell me why chewing gum. Yeah. So um, this was funny. I was I was on vacation like a year and a half ago. I was actually listening to, um, I, I, I don't know if I call her new book at this point. I don't know if she has another book, but uh, Oprah had released a book. Uh, I think it was called What Happened, what Happened to You. And it's about mm-hmm. like trauma and how you know our bodies hold on to that and, and affect us long term. And uh, her and the doctor that wrote the book, they were basically saying that we all regulate ourselves in some capacity. Mm-hmm. We all do it in different ways. And, you know, when you had said we all have our addictions, it was like that that kind of, you know, rung, rung up in there. I was like, yep, yep yeah, that's right, right? Uh, some of us go running. Some of us smoke mm-hmm. cigarettes, right? It's like we all have our outlets. Right. I'm trying to figure out which ones are empowering and positive and then lean 
into those when we can. Mm-hmm. Um, but also tying into, uh, you know, when we talked about like our bodies being revved up and then going for a walk, doing some breathing, something like that. Those are also, you know, regulating behaviors. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to anxiety and chewing gum, um, it's almost as if like, like, so, so I guess to, to cut the, to, excuse me, to cut to the chase, That's okay. uh, chewing gum is the, uh, the act of chewing gum is that it is a regulating behavior in the sense that like, we are giving ourselves some sort of like, uh, at least for the short term, some habitual action, right? We're able to, mm-hmm. we can just keep chewing the gum and we're able to, in a way, like channel our, our anxious energy into that piece of gum. Yeah. Uh, if, if that makes sense, it's like, okay, I'm all revved up. Like, give me a piece of gum. And, okay. Yep. 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 I'm chewing. I'm chewing. I'm chewing. It gives us something to focus on and something to do. And the nice thing about something like that, uh, not just the, the regulating behavior itself, but also the fact that like, I talked about how it's like, you know, if we're in a job interview, it's, it's kind of like out of the question to be like, yeah, let me go take 30 minutes for myself in the middle of this question. Right. Right. Um, but you can pull out a piece of gum and chew on it for 10 seconds and be like, Hey, can I just have like a, a quick second? Right. Um, and sometimes it's just little things like that, that we need for ourselves to sort of, uh, either recenter or like take our focus and shift it from, you know, one side to the other, uh, metaphorically speaking. Yeah. I, I that's awesome. I, um, you know, I always say my go-to toolkit are the senses, the five senses. And that's definitely one of them. I talk about chewing gum a lot. Um, for, you know, the reason of the taste and the senses, but also because, you know, you do find yourself being like, yeah, 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 you know, like really exactly. chewing on it and getting yep. that anxiety out. Um, so I think that, you know, that one I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, why we would do that. And, you know, it also made me think too, this idea, and I don't, I don't necessarily know this piece, but obviously with my background being in addiction, um, the idea of emotional eating and emotional addiction and kind of that idea of eating disorders. We talk about that piece of chewing. You think about it again, it's a habitual piece. Yes. There's actually, you know, what's in the food and how it reacts and, you know, in your bodies. But I would imagine that that piece too would be part of the addiction. Cause we know that addiction is a behavior, not necessarily a substance that's being used in the thought pattern behind it. Um, so that kind of made me think about that too. And I was like, Hmm, that could be part of the habitual habit. So that's interesting or habitual piece of the addiction, not, not habitual habit. That's <laughs> yeah. There, there's definitely more to, uh, uh, I guess I'll use a bad pun. There's more to chew on there for sure. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, and I wanted to also ask, so we have touched a couple of times about like how these things, how anxiety, not necessarily touching on how depression yet, but how anxiety and other emotions interact in our body. And one of the big ones we hear about a lot is how stress interacts in our body and our brain. Um, so kind of tell me what your take on that is of how they, how stress gets out of your brain and what it does to your body. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple things I want to say here, right? Like the first is stress, like if you listen to some personal development pioneers or gurus or whatever, like if you listen to Tony Robbins, he says Mm -hmm. that stress is like, you know, um, fancy people's word for fear. Uh, and it's, it's kind of true, right? It's like, okay. Um, you know, there's an issue going on in my building. I'm stressed out about it. Mm -hmm. What am I really saying there? I'm worried that something is going to happen or has already happened, or there's going to be some ramification that I don't know about uh, that extends from that issue that I'm then going to have to deal with might have a, I don't know, financial cost to it or some time cost, something like that. Um, So if if you then take like the, the piece that we're talking about at the beginning of the conversation where we said that anxiety is future oriented fear, it's like, Mm -hmm. in a way there, there is a world in which stress and anxiety are, are sort of synonyms um, depending on how we use them. I think the other thing too is, um, you know, so 
I, I think you are probably alluding to a different blog post that I had written. Um, so I, I had written a blog post, and this was based on personal experience. Uh, this was probably like January, February of last year. Um, it was in an, I was sharing an Airbnb with some friends. I mean, it was a great time. We were, we were having a lot of fun, but also it was a stressful experience. Uh, one of the couples down there was like fighting a lot and whatnot. And um, like I, I was super busy at work and I was running out of time. And then I'm trying to balance that with, you know, like the the social uh, commitments of of living in a house with other people. We're trying to go out to dinner. We're trying to do these different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just getting like super stressed out. I um, And for me, like, uh, I guess there's a lot of different manifestations of stress, but the one that I was focusing on in that blog post was like, for me, it's almost this like adrenaline and cortisol response more than Mm -hmm. anything else. Right. Where if I am stressed out and I'm doing a lot of things, I feel as though I have drank like a lot of caffeine, Mm -hmm. even though like, I don't drink much caffeine. Like I'll have a cup of coffee a month or something like that. And I can feel it. It's like, oh my goodness, I'm revved up. And it's not you know, at first it's kind of good because you're like, oh, I'm getting all this stuff done. And then like, like a day later, you're like, no, 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 I've been in this state for 24 hours. And then I didn't sleep last night. I didn't sleep the next night. And you're like, this is bad. Um, so some t- like, there's two ways that, uh, that like, there's, <laughs> there's two, uh, like logical ends for that in my own body. So one, um, 18 months ago or something, the, the time that I'm referring to, I actually started having these like um, these heart pains. So, uh, I forget exactly what they're called. Um, like in topic beats or something like that. Basically it felt as though like I would, I would have a heartbeat that would kind of, um, it would feel as if it were like an electric shock. So my heart would like, like really, really hurt for like a half a second. And then almost as if like a wave of energy would like course through my body and I could feel it run all all the way down to my fingertips and toes. Uh, as you can probably imagine, that was scary. And I was like, called my doctor. I was like, dude, like what is going on? Am I going to have a heart attack? Am I going to die? Something like that. I ended up uh, wearing like a a heart monitor for a couple of weeks just to make Mm -hmm. sure nothing was going on. He was like, yeah, it's probably stress related, but let's, you know, if you want to be totally sure of this, like might as well get the heart monitor. And I was Mm -hmm. like, one of those things that you just don't really want to take much of a gamble on. Right. Um, So I was willing to do that. Uh, And then uh, another way that sometimes it manifests for me is like nerve pain, like in my legs, I'll get these pains. Um, And it's, it's, it's definitely unsettling, but at the same time, it's like, I, I, I just know what it's from, right. It's Mm -hmm. like, I I know when I'm really like either stressed out or I'm moving too fast or whatever, because it's like, I can't, I can't put myself to sleep. Uh, I've been up for three hours and my legs hurt. It's like, yeah, I'm stressed out. Um, So that was sort of one of those things to be like, that blog post was me essentially saying like, there's not just, you know, the, the generalized feeling of anxiety and fear and whatnot that we put ourselves through when we're stressed. Mm -hmm. There's also sometimes ramifications in the physical realm. And it's like, I think for a lot of us, like, don't get me wrong, nobody wants to deal with anxiety all the Mm -hmm. time. Um, But I think when it crosses over into like, I don't know if I'm healthy. I don't know if I'm dying. Like that's when you're like, it's a line in the sand where you're like, all right, I'm going to get help. I'm going to go figure this thing out. And at the very least, like for me now, right. It's like, there's days when I'm better at it than others. Um, But I I, I kind of use how I'm feeling physically to be like, look, dude, like you're about to get some leg pain and like, God forbid you get some chest pains. Like you don't want those because they freak you out even more. And then you start spiraling. It's like, okay, I got, I got to go do some yoga. I got to take some deep breaths, whatever it is. Um, So yeah, kind of just, use that post to tell a personal story, but also like, you know, give readers, I, I mean, obviously a little scary, but like try to give them, um, I don't know, something of a, a, a cautious story of saying like, Hey, yeah. like just be mindful. Right. 
because um, mm-hmm. these things could happen to you. And I guess one, if they do uh, talk to your doctor, it might not be the worst thing in the world, but it's going to be unsettling at first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also like before you get to that place, let's try out these different strategies and make sure or like do our best to make sure that, um, you know, these manifestations don't occur in our bodies because it's it's a tough thing to go through. It is. And I like that you pointed out like that's what happens in your body, because I think that this is a really good invitation for people to pay attention to when they are feeling stressed, what's happening in their body. Because I think, you know, I'll notice like different pains in like my joints or, you know, sometimes we hold it in different places. And so um, I like that that's kind of that invitation. And also, like you said, a healthy fear. Um, I also resonated with that piece where you said like, almost that people don't change until the discomfort of staying the same is worse than the discomfort of changing. Right. And you kind of mentioned that like that fear of, or of anxiety and stress, like causing these physical things is really when it becomes a problem. And I kind of got to that space too with stress. I love that. I had not heard that about Tony Robbins, like saying your stress is a fancy way to say you're fearful. Um, but like, I want to say, um, before I had my son, like before I got pregnant, you know, I was doing a bunch of different things, working in, in my master's program, like had a billion things going on. And I was realizing how many times a day I was like in my mind, it was just like, I'm stressed, I'm stressed, I'm stressed. And I was like, okay, what does that even mean to me? Because I'm using it on autopilot. And you're right. And when I kind of went inside, I was like, I'm worried about this. I'm anxious. I'm frustrated. And I started identifying really what the feeling was. So I like that you made that point too. Yeah, it's uh, well, I appreciate it. It's one, you know, one thing that is interesting to me about that word, right? Is like it is sort of a badge of honor in our society oh, to be busy. Yeah. Yep. And yep. and and very few people actually want to talk about their emotions. Mm-hmm. So the word stress is sort of this like it's a little bit of a badge of honor. It's like I'm stressed because I'm so busy, mm-hmm. rather than saying like. I am horribly anxious and terrified and whatever, right? It's like, don't get me wrong. There's like, you know, there's a time in in a place for all of our emotions. Um, But if we were totally honest with ourselves, maybe we wouldn't use the word stress all the time. Yeah. Yep. That was really what I noticed because it was, I was using that of like, you know, when people would ask me like, oh, how are you doing? You're doing so many things. It was like, oh, I'm stressed out. And it was, I felt that of like, oh, it was almost like a little positive rush of like you're stressed and it's like, Ooh, that's not the emotion I'm actually feeling. And so it does, but it asks asking yourself like, okay, when you use that word, or even if you're using the word anxious, ask yourself what's behind that. Because sometimes I find that, you know, like I said, I hear this word of I'm anxious, I have anxiety or gosh, man, those diagnosis when Pete or diagnoses, when people get those, sometimes I'll see them hold on to it of like, Ooh, major depressive disorder. I'm depressed. Ooh, generalized anxiety disorder. I'm anxious. And it's like, okay, time and a place, but at the same time, and if that helps you feel some identification of what's going on, that's appropriate, but let's really explore what is happening within and what is being felt. Most Um, definitely. Yeah. And I have one more I want to ask you about, and I know we're running short on time, but it is this piece of toxic positivity. And we touched a little bit on like trying to change emotion in a sense, but tell me, tell me about toxic positivity. Yeah, I mean, a good segue into it is kind of what we just talked about in the sense that like, and, and it's it's not exactly the same thing, but uh, a similar notion in the sense that like, we may say we're stressed when really what we're doing is we're, we're totally anxious, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like, uh, so I guess what lies behind that phenomenon and also toxic positivity is the 
unwillingness to actually confront how we're feeling, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's like, hey, you know, you see on online people all the time, or, I don't know, certain influences or whatever might be like, things are amazing. My life mm-hmm. is amazing. Things are never bad, whatever, right? It's like, I see those posts if it's like a constant and, and obviously it's a little bit different if it's like, you know, a big brand posting those things because it's not right. a specific person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I see one specific person posting about that stuff all the time, it's like, you know, it's almost one of these things where I'm looking around at everybody else and I'm like, this person either lives on a different planet or or what the heck is going on, right? Because it's like, yep. I'm not like, I'm not saying that my life is like crazy, crazy difficult, but it's like, we all, we're human, you know, yeah, and we go challenges. through challenges and we mm-hmm. go through difficulty. And it's like somebody who is just constantly ringing that bell of like, I'm amazing. Things are amazing. Things are so mm-hmm. positive. It's like, what's going on there, right? It's, it's almost this inability to confront uh, our own feelings. And I think one of the things is like, one of the issues with that is if, if we are, if we fall into that camp, and we are unwilling to confront difficult things, we're actually not all that resilient, right? So it's like, if something actually does come along that challenges us, it could almost break us. Uh, I'd like to think of like, I don't know, sort of like a life philosophy, right? Is like, I see myself as even killed. I'm not one of those people. I'm not a negative person. Uh, At the same time, I'm not like head in the clouds, right? It's like when good things happen, I'm like, this is awesome. This is great. Let's enjoy it. But at the same time, when negative, negative things happen, it's like, I need to figure out how to move past this as quickly as I can. And in order to do that, I need to acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. If I'm just sitting here being like, um, I don't know, ignorantly positive of, of my situation when it's really not a great situation, I might be stuck in that for a while. And then I might not be able to find, you know, positive ways to cope with it or, or move past it or something like that. So yeah, it was just, um, th- there's definitely more uh, pieces in the blog that like, I'm probably forgetting right now, but that's the general context of like saying like, Hey, you know, there are times where when we inevitably have to confront things that are difficult um, and that gets us back actually on the, you know, the path of positivity. So it's not always a bad thing. Love it. Awesome. Well, I feel like I could keep talking to you about so many different things, but we're running a little short on time. So I want to be respectful of that. And I want to say thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. Yeah. Thanks, Caitlin. It was a great conversation on every single, you know, back and forth. It was like, oh, there's five more threads that we could jump into. So yeah, could <laughs> go on, could keep going. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a good one. Perfect. Um, and for our listeners, thank you guys so much for spending your time here with us. Um, as always, subscribe, rate, and review. Let us know what you thought or if you had any questions. And then I'm going to put how you can get um, in contact and follow as well as jump on those books for Brian in the episode notes. Um, and I will see you guys again soon. Thanks so much. Thank you for hanging out with me on the Abundance Alchemist podcast. Don't forget to head over and grab your free self-love activation meditation at theabundancealchemist.com and hit subscribe here so you don't miss a thing. Until next time, sending you so much love.